Let us begin with the prayer of illumination. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from you no secrets are hid. Quiet the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The scripture reading for today comes from Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought before him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Patient, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. And the master's servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called in that servant. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Last week, I shared that the discourse of the 18th chapter of Matthew extends from the question asked by the disciples as to who the greatest among them, who is the greatest among them in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus answers with a multi-faced response which redirects our attention to a set of strategies that are meant to help the Christian community sustain its spiritual and social unity as it strives to live into the kingdom of God, namely the practice of forgiveness, which is not an isolated event, but an ongoing activity of the community. And last week, Jesus laid down the foundation for resolving differences and seeking reconciliation with other believers. And in this passage for last week, he tells us to meet in person, face to face, and to meet privately with the brother or sister who sins against us and to forgive them. And this week, we are told how often we are to forgive our brothers and sisters when the procedures laid out in the 18th chapter of Matthew's Gospel are followed. 
First, we must acknowledge that our scripture lesson is less about conflict management or some universal resolution process that guarantees to work, but rather it is a model for how to walk with and alongside those who are vulnerable in our midst. Reconciliation, then, is more than an afterthought, or even when persons are expelled from the community and the church, the church is still called to offer pastoral care. I would argue that they are called to work even harder to reconcile the expelled member. For Matthew's gospel praises the minority and vulnerable among them, such as the Gentiles who are praised for their faith and the tax collectors who are called friends of Jesus. We are constantly reminded in Jesus' instruction for how the community is to function that no member of Christ's body is greater than the other, and we are not an association of like-minded individuals. We all have different backgrounds, different cultures, different political views, different political affiliations, and different values that we emphasize. We will face conflict in the church due to our differences. Yet, we are called to resolve those conflicts in the love that unifies us together in Christ as we forgive one another. And after hearing this teaching about how to deal with wrongdoing or sin, it is ironic that Peter is the one who follows up with the question about the limit of forgiveness. It is ironic that Peter is the one who asks this question about the number of times he should be directed to forgive. For soon, the biblical narrative will begin to point out Peter's flaws, his need, and his experience of the forgiveness of Christ, the forgiveness that Christ offers. Maybe Peter is the one who asked this question because more often than not, we find ourselves in Peter's shoes. All of us have wondered this question. How often do I extend forgiveness before I make a fool of myself? How often should we forgive someone who has sinned against us? How often do we open up? How often do we let our guard down and tear down the walls we have built before we are hurt? again. After all, at some point it becomes easier to treat anyone and everyone like they're temporary instead of a relationship that is worth fighting for. It's easier to put someone on probation as we wait for them to do something wrong again so that we can take back our offer of forgiveness. And thus we wait and we watch closely to the moment whereby we can once again be justified to exhibit our anger. Jesus answers Peter's question and us by telling a story of a servant whose debt is so large that it would take 200,000 years of labor to pay off. The debt owed is shockingly high. It's the largest numeric value possible in Jesus' day. In today's value, we would be talking around 6 to $10 billion, which is a debt so large, it's certainly not surprising that the servant is summoned before the king. The king's threat to sell him and his family into slavery. 
Bring the slave to his knees with a futile plea for more time to repay everything. And the servant plea is certainly useless as the king knows that nobody could have any realistic hope of repaying the debt that is old. Following in line with the biblical theme found throughout Matthew's gospel of God desiring mercy over sacrifice, the king is moved to compassion. One commentator notes it this way, quote, It is important to the king that the slave and his family be allowed to continue as productive members of the community Forgiving the debt may not enrich the king's coffers, but it maintains the integrity of the community and demonstrates that mercy is the thread that holds the community together. Unquote. It demonstrates that mercy is the thread that holds the community together. The listener of Matthew's gospel, in hearing the story, are reminded that the king threats like God's law. It's like a mirror whereby we see ourselves as we really are. We are brought to self-revelation that we are deeply in need of forgiveness, and thus, like the servant, we are moved to repentance and to pleading. And in that moment of humility before God, we are not met with more time to correct our wrongdoing, but we are instead offered mercy. Our wrongdoing no longer counts against us. And as soon as this connection is made, we in horror hear how the slave treats the debt of his fellow slave. Having just been forgiven an impossible debt, he seizes his colleague by the throat and demands the repayment of debt owed to him. And it is in this moment where we begin to wonder what in the world is wrong with this guy. How could anyone do such a thing? That is, until the story is turned around on us just as it was turned around on Peter. How could we ask such a question about forgiveness? And the church, we of all people should know better. For those who have been forgiven much, love much. In essence, in essence, the gospel is asking this. What is required of us? What is required of us? How many times are we to forgive? What's required of us is that we are to love mercy, seek justice, and walk humbly with God. What is required of us is that we follow Christ to the way of cross, that we seek out the ways of self-denial, and that we realize that this life is gained only by losing it. That if we are counting how many times we have forgiven the other, then we are certainly missing the point. For the kind of relationship we are engaging in and the likeness of God that we seek to embody continues to pursue loving kindness as we strive to be more relational. We tend to offer forgiveness in a manner that privatizes forgiveness. 
whereby we tend to say that we have forgiven the offender in our heart and never say a word to the other. Yet this cheapens the form of forgiveness and ignores the acts of relationality that we as Christians are called to. And this is why the community aspect of this passage of this chapter is important. Jesus speaks of forgiveness within the communal process outlined in last week's scripture lesson. The process includes the naming of sin, the repentance of the offender, and the continued support by the community of both the offender and the offended. And true forgiveness requires that the church, that the body of Christ, acts as one who upholds the truth, but also keeps both parties accountable to Christ through the church. For true forgiveness requires that the relationship between the offender and the offended is re-engaged. Now, you've heard it said that we are called to forgive and forget, but that is just not true. There is no biblical notion to this ideology. You've heard it said we are called to forgive and forget, but that's just not true. In fact, the king in our parable does not forget the transgressions of the servant. In fact, if we learn anything, it's that God's forgiveness is conditional. God requires that those who truly understand the magnitude of God's grace and mercy to pay it forward to those who are their debtors. God requires that we pay forward the forgiveness of God with our own forgiveness to the other. Maybe this is why Jesus uses the analogy, analogy of debt. As one commentator says, debt connects the borrower and the lender until the debt is repaid. It binds both parties together until the obligation of the debt is fulfilled. Thus, the king chose to forgive the debtor. But the forgiven debtor chose to retaliate against his debtor by making him feel the same hopelessness he once felt, causing him to share the same fate that he inflicted upon his debtor. Why? Because they are connected to the other. This is the foundational view of the church that we are all connected and our connection can be positive and life-giving or negative, toxic, and oppressive. And in order to build one another up in love, we must be willing to follow the ways of Christ. We must become vulnerable and let go of revenge, anger, retribution, and take the chance of renewing our relationships even with those who have sinned against us. That being said, forgiveness is not a one-and-done act. It is not a one-time thing, but an ongoing process that is long and messy and hard. It requires constant self-examination. And there will be times when we felt that we've forgiven someone only to find the feelings of resentment rising within our souls. And in those moments, we need to hand it back to God. Relationships take a long time to repair and require constant commitment and trust. 
relationships and repairing relationships certainly requires a community of support to lean on. And yet, in our vulnerability to forgive, we are freed from the powers of this world that make us bitter and angry. In those moments where we struggle to truly let go, may we cling to how much God has already forgiven us and cling to God as we, the body of Christ, continue to show the world the loving kindness of God in our ability to be a people of forgiveness. For that is what required of us to love mercy, seek justice, and walk humbly with God. Let us pray. God, our source and our salvation, in love you made us, and by love you have redeemed us. Make your love for us bear fruit in our forgiveness of others, that in this life we may know all your embracing compassion, and in the world to come, receiving the everlasting joy of fellowship you share with your Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, go in peace practice forgiveness, and live the gospel. May the blessings of God be with you, the love of Jesus fill you, and the power of the Holy Spirit sustain you, now and forever. Go in peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.